Hello, good people, and welcome to my podcast, Hind the Foresight by Cheryl. Get ready for an awesome interview that we're going to have with my guest, who is going to tell you who she is and what she does. And we're going to talk about a subject that is big news, the biggest news that we have so far this year. And it's doing a lot in the lives of so many people. So get ready, get ready to get some information that's going to really help you to empower you and your family about what's going on with the um, coronavirus. Thank you so much for joining me. And um, as always, um, just continue just to pass this information on. Thanks. Hello? Hi, Cheryl. I'm sorry. I, oh, I no problem. <laughs> okay, no problem. Dr. Dr. Mana, you know what? I know you are so busy, and I never can tell when the emergency room is going to call you and everything like that. But right now, I just want to thank you for just taking this quick moment just to be on my podcast, and, and just thank you so much for that. Oh, you're so welcome, and that's my privilege. I, I, it's actually something that gives me a little bit of a distraction and uh, <laughs> hope. You know what I mean? In terms right. of just knowing that people want to understand and uh, find out, you know, my perspective and really what's going on on the ground. Okay. Well, listen. Know? This is what I want to ask you. I want to make sure. I mm-hmm. know your first name is Mana. So, yes. how do you pronounce your last name? It's Casongo. Cassango, okay. Oh, oh, oh my goodness! All right. So, is it hard if I just call you Doctor Mana? Is that okay? It's fine. You can just call me Doctor Mana. Okay. Uh, you know, and you can. You know, that's what actually most people out here call me because it's very hard for them. And then for now, my, my last name, or they'll call me just Doctor K. Doctor um, K. I like that. I like that. You know what? Well, listen. This is what I want to tell you. Um, so far, all year long, um, basically, I have been, um, my theme for my podcast has been getting your house in order, um, yes. physically, spiritually, financially. I'm going to have a couple of sessions about finances and everything like that. But um, when I look at you, I think of Dr. San- Sanjay Gupta, you know, um, <laughs> I saw you um, on your interview um um, in Georgia and everything like that. And so that's why I know that as I'm speaking to you, any moment somebody could call you and say, you know, um, there's, there's more people that are needing professional help and everything, medical help. So what I want to ask you is, can you just tell my audience a little bit about you? Okay. Um, so the thing about, uh, we'll just kind of start from the beginning um i have sort of a very interesting uh, you know origin story um i for my full name is dr mama lumumba kasango and i'm a board certified emergency physician mm-hmm. and i'm also a journalist i'm also a nationally published writer um oh. i have written for multiple places including newsweek magazine um and I've written articles um, over the past couple of years, all of them relating to the idea of merging race or the intersectionality between race and and medicine and social justice. I see. Um, you know, so many people 
don't get the connection that race and healthcare and social justice are to me all the all one thing. I see. Um, you know, as in, I, I, we can all be activists in different ways. Mm-hmm. And for me, my activism comes in through my through through being a physician, through, through being through healthcare, um, because as you know, as African American people, as people of the African diaspora, we are discriminated um, against in many different ways. And whether that be economically, uh, whether that be socially, whether that be educationally, but certainly also as it relates to healthcare. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was born in the what we then called Zaire, um, mm-hmm. back in the early seventies. I don't give my exact age because I'm a little older. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now it's called the Democratic Republic of Congo. And, and that I, is in Africa, right? Africa. Okay, yes. yeah, I want to make sure. <laughs> it, it's in Central, yes, it's in Central Africa. Okay, okay. It's, it is actually the largest, if you look, right, like literally right smack dab in the middle of the continent, it is the largest country right there in the middle. Um, I see. And I was born in what we call the Eastern Congo, and it has been um, fictionalized in many different ways. Um, you know, in terms of movies and anytime you see a rainforest or some, some place in Africa, it's usually, it's usually, they're usually referring to the Congo because it's known as a big rainforest. In fact, if you, if any, for those of us, the Black Panther fans who've gone on and south, seen the movie or read the comics, yeah. Wakanda, Wakanda is essentially the Congo. I mean, that big, oh, big, big, I where, see. yeah, it essentially is. Okay. Uh, when, you, when you look at where Stanley made them, made made the place look, or Ta-Nehisi Coates and all the people who wrote it, it is basically the Congo. And oh. I was born in the um, Eastern Congo, the Kasai region, which has been a place that has been admired in civil war and intergenerational war over the diamonds. Um, oh, and over yeah, the, I've heard about the, the diamonds, the blood diamonds. Yeah, um, there was a movie about that. And, that's about, yes. you know. and so uh, that is that is that is the that is the that that is the place that I was born, and it is considered um, probably it was a couple of years ago. It was considered the worst place to be born a woman, and the reason for that was because there were no opportunities for women um, because of the civil wars. They're fighting over proxies for other countries, you know, mm, to try okay. to get the resources. We have been you know, turned against each other and women have been used as a tool of rape as a way of getting back at each, at, as, as a way of, of brutalizing each other. And also women don't get educated because the, because nobody has money and because it's just so war torn. Okay. So I consider my life's work. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky and I consider my life's work a way of trying to pay tribute to my ancestors who have worked so hard and who were tortured and who were forced to work in these diamond mines. And um, they were forced to do it obviously without pay, without justice and without ever getting um, any sort of economic advantage for this. And the country has been falling apart ever since. So that is where I was born. And so coming to the United States, um, I came here with my with my parents, and I, I consider myself blessed because I I came here through my father's scholarship, and he got a scholarship to Harvard University, and that kind of started wow. my professional 
or looking at looking at that started my professional journey in the sense that I saw what education can do and where it can take you. And I followed in his path. He went on to get a PhD and my mom went on to become a nurse assistant. And I decided I was going to become a doctor. Wow. Um, That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's really the way that that's my upbringing. But through all of that, because of the way my country was set up and how uh, politically active my parents were, we spent a lot of time talking about politics and we spent a lot of time about talking here here in the United States about the influence of, you know, what it meant to be a black person moving in the world, whether that be in Africa or whether that be here in the United States. You know what, you know what, um, just to say this too, um, you know, it makes me think of, you know, a lot of times people, they see people with the titles or the positions, but they don't know what goes behind that. I mean, so you have a, it's not only a passion, but like you say, you're paying tribute and you, you know, the suffering and you know that it didn't have to be you. And so that's why this is something that really undergirds you and keeps you going that motivation, because when you start looking back, you saying, you know what, I have to press on to show, show, to show my people that right. it can be done, you know, right. it right. can be done. Exactly. You know? It can be done. And that you are walking on the shoulders of, 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 of giants people. Right. You are, you are drinking from a well that you did not dig. Absolutely. But, oh yeah. But I like have, that. I like you that. Have, you yes. have to, you have to pay tribute to that. And right. that's for everybody. That's right. for all of us in the diaspora. Right. That's for right. everyone. Yeah. And you so, know, a lot of times, you know, like when you think about, it's not, I mean, it's a little bit of this principle, but even um, just when um, um, Congressman John Lewis um, died just recently, you know, he he's seen what it was. I mean, for people who wanted to vote, and so that's why it's very important for us to go out and vote as well. You see, that's right. That's you know, right. In everything, you know. So. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, growing up as a child, we spent you know times uh, just talking about like I said, what, what, how it meant to move around the world as a person of color, as a black person. And as I consider myself both an African and an African American, because I've lived here so long that I culturally, I identify as an African American. Um, And so I've always been interested also in in, in the intersectionality of what it is to be an African and an African American and how we can bridge that gap and all kind of have a community where we understand we're coming from the same place and right, we have right. the same struggle, you right, know, right, which right. is to reclaim our culture, reclaim what is ours, um, and to look out for each other. And, and everybody I, cannot do this, what you're doing, because people who have not, you know, you know, when we've been brought over from Africa as slaves and everything, but mm-hmm. you being, you know, being born in Africa and then to live in America you know, you you can see the two dual perspectives, you know, and everything, and it's, it really makes a difference too. It does make a difference because yeah. I spent many much of my time working through what that meant, and what I did was, you know, part of my education is I I went on to um, I spent some time living in Boston for a while because my dad went to Harvard, then I moved to Chicago. My dad got his PhD at the University of Chicago, and then. 
when it was time for my education, I went back to Chicago and went to DePaul University and I studied, uh, I was a pre-med major, um, mm. but I studied, uh, but my major was, uh, but my actual, uh, I was, I'm sorry, I was a biology major. I took my science courses because I knew I was going to eventually be a doctor, but I took my major was Af- African-American studies with a, with a focus in African area studies. Mm. And I started to see what the connection was. That in fact, we were people who were connected, but we had just kind of lost our connection. And that was an intentional thing. You know, that was done intentionally yeah, so yeah, that we yeah. could not have a collective power. Well, I think it's time for us to start getting it back. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Exactly. So, exactly. Listen, exactly. What, what I really wanted to, what I, what I wanted to ask you because of the COVID and because you're dealing with so much yeah. on a daily basis and everything, I know you have your family. And, um, you know, um, you, you have children, right? And your, your yes. husband. Okay. Yes. I have two children. I married to a wonderful man, um, uh, Mark Robinson, and we met in college. And we, uh, we were friends for about uh, 20 years before we decided to finally uh, start dating back in 2009. Oh, friendship. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she married my best friend. Yeah, that's and, wonderful. Um, that and we fun. have two children, two lovely children, Marshall, um, named after the uh, namesake, Thurgood Marshall. I um, mean, he's seven. And uh, Malika, which, and she's three. And, uh, she, and Malika means uh, angel in Swahili. And they have really kind of given me the perspective to continue on. You know, sometimes with this kind of work, it can get very exhausting and um, come on a kind of emotionally draining. When you look at your husband and your children, though. Yeah, it makes it kind of, it makes (laughs) it look good. You think, (laughs) we can keep on doing this, right? Because yeah. Right, right. Well, listen, um, this is, and and I, like I said, I literally, I know that because of when you hear everything on the news and everything, I never know when you're going to be called. And I want to get this interview in with you because, and that's, again, I thank you for taking out this time and everything. But one of my questions, um, Dr. Dr. K, Dr. K, was, um, you know, we're so influenced by the news and, you know, just the real the real testimonies about COVID-19. So, you know, you're hearing people out there, they know that people are dying. You actually are in emergency room. You are emergency emergency room physician and everything. So um, what is real? What what is really real? (laughs) What is really real? What is really real is that this is a real disease. I mean, I mean, this is, this is serious. This is a highly infectious disease that has just decimated our lives uh, as, as, and, and it has killed at this point over 150,000 people just here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And by November, if we keep on this trajectory, I see us having lost 200,000 people. And let's keep this in perspective. That's more people that died in the Viet, from the Vietnam War, that's more people that died um, in the Korean War. So let's just keep that in mind that that's oh the number goodness. of people that we're losing, and we're still losing about a thousand people a day. A day. Well, that's a that's okay though. This this is the thing. Like some people are saying that okay, they're focusing on the COVID, mm-hmm. but with heart disease, you got like six hundred and forty thousand people dying, right. I guess, per year. So. Yeah. 
some people think is this a political ploy, but nobody's putting the news the the, the news focus on the heart disease or the you know you know what I'm saying that's okay, you know. absolutely so this is the thing we've got to make and and I I do think that we there there were kind of a lot getting lost in the weeds heart d- disease is a the is is a, a huge issue particularly in the black community but what we're finding is the disproportionate number of people who are dying of the disease are usually black and brown people and that is because we have such a high incidence of heart disease diabetes copd emphysema asthma kidney disease so what we need to do what the media needs to do a better job of is connecting those two so connecting yes, those two yes yes okay. so those so those things still exist and those things are still are still hurting us but they're hurting us now in the sense that when you could before you could live and sort of work with those diseases those chronic diseases now covid is killing you almost instantly you, you see what i'm saying we have now something that's pushing us over the edge so i'm going to say it in my layman's terms and tell me if i'm i'm right so in other words when we just have the regular regular diseases like hot heart disease and all the other things like that yeah. When you get the COVID, yes. the synergy of the two, the, uh, whatever you have, the underlying, the underlying, um, uh, the underlying chronic disease, it it really is like you say, is just taking us to another level as yes. far as ventilators and yes. possibly yes. most likely death. Right. Yes, and those are it, it, it's working, those diseases are acting as a catalyst for the disease. We are finding that this disease, for some reason preferentially likes to work in systems that are dealing with heart disease and your immune system isn't working quite as good and you're diabetic so you can't mount the uh the 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 sort of um, natural immune response that your body would normally would more normally mount to fight it i see you don't have it because you have all these other diseases and so it just takes over your body so and what's the main thing that people of color should do? So one of the so one of the many things that we should do, and I, I will start from the very basic things, is that we need to take this seriously in the sense that we need to start with preventative measures. So first thing is everyone wears a mask in public. Right. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your political affiliation is. This is not a partisan issue. We there are things that we are starting to know about this disease. It's only been, it's a novel disease, so it's only been around for six months. But what we do know is that when everyone wears a mask, and this has been proven out in in studies from Europe, Asia, and in parts of this country in New York, where they had a mask mandate, that you can cut this transmission down by almost 86% if everyone wore a mask. In other words, if everyone wore a mask today, in eight weeks, we would see that death count go down dramatically. We would oh. see the contagion go down almost immediately. New Zealand, for example, um, I don't think they've had a case in three, two to three weeks because they instituted a mask mandate that started the same day and, and they've gone back to almost a normal life. So that's the first thing. We have to continue to social distance, meaning that just because these states made the mistake of opening too early, 
right. doesn't mean that we can now start having barbecues with we you know with our and having family reunions because what we're finding is that this this disease is spreading amongst families because they think it's safe to now kind of hang out together in these closed spaces in the house oh, wow. talking you know because it's it spreads by air droplets so you could just be talking to somebody who is close to you and you could be spreading it. You it doesn't have to be a sneeze, although a sneeze is worse. It doesn't have to be a cough, although right. a cough is worse. It doesn't even have to be used speaking loudly. It could just be air droplets and it's passing on. And that's why we're saying six to eight feet of distance between you and whoever you're next to is the best way to keep yourself safe. Somebody that does not live in your household, in other words, right, if they're right, not in your house. So those two things are preventative and we need to start to do this now because I have been hearing some things from, you know, you hear rumors and sometimes I I hear that, you know, sometimes I hear some black people saying, well, that's not really our kind of disease. What I'm I'm trying (laughs) to say is that in fact, it is truly our disease because it is killing us disproportionately. We we make up 13% of the population, but we're making up almost you know, 60% of the deaths in some of these states. Yeah. And then a lot of people, what they're doing too for our for our people is, is that, you know, a lot of people are just saying, well, you know, the Lord going to take care. But he, he gives us wisdom. Yeah, right. And yeah, exactly. And I'm a person, I am a God-fearing person. I, I believe in 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 the in Jesus. I believe in, that God has gotten me here. And right. I believe in the Bible. And um, But I also know that God gave us you know, tools that he wants us to use. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know we were, there's always, the, there's a story, there's the story of the man, you know, that, that, you know, the man that was, that was being flooded and he was on top of his house and, you know, God sent, you know, he, God sent a, a helicopter and he said, no, 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 I'm waiting for God to come save me. And he sent a boat and he said, oh no, I'm waiting for God to, to come, you know, to come save me. And eventually the man dies and, and he gets to heaven. He says, God, why didn't you save me? And God's like, well, I sent you the helicopter and I uh-huh. sent you the boat. Why didn't uh-huh. you take it? So, so that's what I tell black people. Take the information that we've got. Take the medical science that we have. Listen to the people that are in front of you that are educated, that are the scientists. And don't be distracted by the noise. And sometimes that noise is even our own president and our own governors. Right, right, sometimes. right, right. This right. is the facts. And I'm telling you. This is real. And so on top of preventative measures like that, let's also work on ourselves by working on our heart disease. Yes, work, that's what I'm trying you know, to do work, now. You know, let's, let's, let's reduce the amount of salt that we're putting in our food. Let's, let's make, make, shake, make sure that we're exercising 20 minutes a day, three, three to four times a week. That means walking every day that if it's just walking if it's running if yeah. it's uh if it's just doing jumping jacks move every move. day and that's what i notice um where i work at uh, what i'm doing is it's like i try to do um um you know do 30 minutes of walking throughout the hall you know whether it's you know 10 minutes uh, three times 10 minutes you know and everything like that doing something so and it gives you more energy and everything like that because if you don't move it you're going to lose it so yeah right exactly so so. it keeps our it keeps your arthritis down i mean just all just 
make sure that you're that you're doing your moving you know, that you're moving and and get your let's get let's get all of these diseases like such as diabetes and and heart and high and and hypertension under control and know and our even, numbers right our numbers know our numbers know your hemoglobin a1c know what your what you what what what's your average blood sugar because this disease does preferentially go after not go after because it affects if it affects everybody anybody can catch it right but but, you know we're finding that you know some some people can get it and they just have like a a head cold you know and some people get it and they're on a respirator in two days i mean it's that why it does it does range that widely and we know that the older you are and the people who are and people of color are getting it disproportionately so make sure that your basic body compose you know composition is okay. Make sure your blood pressure is under control, whether that means you're taking medicine or whether that means you're taking apple cider vinegar vinegar every day, a tablespoon, you know, taking super beads, things that, you know, that are natural, but that do help with keeping your blood pressures down. One other thing too, one other thing too, um, um, not to cut you off there, but I just want to ask you this because this is what's up and coming to Dr. K. It's um <clears throat> the main concern of everybody to have children yes. going back to school. Yes. Including myself. I mean, I know it's gonna go by what the you know, the end of the states, the counties and right. I mean I mean I know you, you know, just your perspective yeah. on that you know yeah. and we are and this is a real thing because we are literally in the throes of trying to figure that out for our own <laughs> you know oh um, yeah see so you being real are you being, oh, real? being real oh this is this has been keeping us up at night this has been happening this has been the source of, of many oh, discussions okay. and 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 uh uh some very strong discussions with schools with our school system and I live in Albany, Georgia. I live in Albany, Georgia, Lee County, Lee's Leesburg, Albany okay. area. Right. And we are in a state that is surging in cases. Yeah. So what I can tell you is, yes, children under the age of 10 appear to be less affected by the coronavirus. Okay. And we don't know why. It Could it be because they are often you know, there are different coronaviruses that have been around for a long time. And, you know, kids get colds all the time. We think right. that a lot of those virus, a lot of those colds are coronaviruses. They're just not the one that we're talking about now. So I think that their bodies have become accustomed to it in a sense. And they're used to that. Also, I think that the receptor, it's very, this is very, very scientific, but the receptor that the coronavirus uses mm-hmm. to get into the system the ch- children don't have those receptors yet. They, they they just don't have it. So the body just does it doesn't oh. attach to the to the to the cells the way it would in a an adult. And when I say adult, I mean a child after after the age of ten. So mm-hmm. children under ten do not seem to be seen as super spreaders for now. But the problem is is that if you're in a, in a state that is considered surging, and mm-hmm. that means the numbers are going up, you could end up having an outbreak in your school. And so because we have no federal response and no federal guidelines that are, you know, telling us what to do, everybody has to make an individual choice. So the the things that I am asking folks to do is to look at your community, to look at what the numbers are, 
and to look at how fast it is spreading and in your state, in your community. Mm-hmm. And if the disease is still up, is on an uptick, I, I'm not sending my children to school. I, I, I'm going to be going um, virtual. Like we are going to be doing virtual school until the numbers start to go down or we come, we come up with a vaccine. Yeah. It's going to be and more I, homeschooling. I can see that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, and, and it hurts me to say this because I know people need to work and I know that people do not have the option sometimes to, to stay at home. Right. I happen to have the luxury of, uh, of, of having a, a job where I can, you know, help to support the family and my husband can stay home and watch and take care of the kids. Right. And not everybody has that option. Right, right. So, so I, so this is, a, is, is, I don't say this lightly, but we are, it, it, it's, it's not even just about the kids. What we're talking about is a whole ecosystem of the school. You send a child back to school and all of a sudden now, they could give it to, you know, the, the, the teachers are getting it. Right. You know, That's why some teachers are even quitting their jobs. And yes, because, because they, they are, you know, teachers, some, some teachers have their own issues. They're, they might be over the age of 50. They might have right. asthma. They might That's have hypertension. Right. They might That's have right. diabetes. That's right. So That's right. they are scared themselves. You've yeah. got janitorial staff who have to clean the area. You've got you've got nurse. You got you've got techs. You've got aides. You've got teaching assistants. You've got assistant principals. This is a whole ecosystem that one case could decimate a whole school. And when you and the way this thing works is that when you have one case, it means you have three cases because you don't know who this who this person has given it to. It might be another child in another class. It might be their older sibling that's in their house, and they might bring it home to you in your house. And now you've got all of a sudden you went from having one case to now you have like six or seven. So, Dr. Kerry, is that um, what they're calling contact tracing, I guess? So, yes. So the thing about contact, so that's what that's when contact tracing comes into play. And that is the other um the other factor in terms of looking at to as to whether you you should send your kids back to school, do you have the capacity to do contact tracing right now? We don't have that capacity. Why don't we have it? Because the cases are so high. We don't have enough people that can trace it's spreading so quickly. We don't have enough people that can trace this disease Hmm. to have contact tracers. You have to get the number of the virus load down so that when you have a, an outbreak, you can easily get a, a get tracers to find that family, call them, find out who's in that family, who they met, who they were, who they were around, who they saw, and they're able to isolate and stop it right there. Which is what countries like, you know, Seoul, Korea are doing. That's what Beijing had to do when they had a small outbreak. You see what I'm saying? Right, Our right. numbers are so huge right now. We don't even have the capacity to contact trace. And if you cannot have contact tracing, then you cannot safely reopen schools because you don't know who has been in touch with who, who has it, who could potentially have it, who needs to be in isolation. Oh my gosh. One last question. Um, When it comes to people flying on airplanes and they're coming, you know, just domestic Mm -hmm. flights and everything, what Mm -hmm. about that? I mean, how safe is that, you know, um, that you just think, I mean, I know you, you know, you just, just your perspective on that. So my perspective on that um, for now, once again, is that for for everything, 
until we get the numbers under control, to me, nothing is safe. So there are things that you can do because it, people have to travel for 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 emergencies. People have to travel for for business. Right. Um, so there are things that you can do. Make sure that if you have to travel, that you absolutely are wearing um, masks the whole time. That means in the airport, on the runway, walking on the walkway, uh, getting in, leaving okay. at all times. Don't take okay. it off. Don't touch your face. Uh, wear gloves when you need to. Wear gloves the whole time. Um, and I would also say protecting if you wear if you don't naturally wear glasses, having goggles. Okay. Because you know, because the virus can get through, get in through your mouth, nose, and eyes. Your mouth, and, nose, and eyes, and so yes. that's why the gargles are. That's, okay. Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Wow. And and make and and trying to ensure that there that there is a middle seat in between you and the other uh, another um, a fly person, a customer. Yeah, because I think because, my sister was telling me that um, Delta. I yes. think they have where they have a seat yes. in between. In the you know? Right. So, yeah, so yeah. certain certain companies are better at the, at that than others. And I know Delta does do that, but yeah. some but so but some don't. So you have to do your research. I would yeah. not fly on a, on a I would not fly on a flight that was completely packed where there was not some measure of distance. There yeah, has yeah, to be. Otherwise, you're just all breathing the same circulated air and. I mean, wow. I, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, you're yeah. just, you know. Yeah. Um, you know what? What you have done today um, in this interview is going to educate a lot of people to um, realize that um, the things we're hearing in the media and what is real, you know, and what's up and coming. And we don't, you know, like you said, this is a novel um, disease and we don't know, we don't have the answers for everything you know, like that. But God is good and he does take All care. He takes care of his children. But yeah. there is, is he's not, when he, when he has the resources and he wants us to use those tools and everything. And it's one thing I do know that we do need to be more disciplined and taking care of ourselves, you know, it's just not, you know, they don't even grow food the way they used to and everything like that. So, you know, it, so all of this is like a domino effect. If you don't take care and know your numbers, your cholesterol and everything like that, um, this disease, you know, um, you know, it's, it's just going to be, it's just going to multiply the synergy of the two is, it's not good. It's not good, you know. So, well, um, it's, it's. I like to call this a pandemic. Um, uh, the, the the coronavirus, the COVID nineteen, is a pandemic that has now hit the what we call the endemic racism that we already structurally had in this country, and it is showing it the 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 uh, the, the the virus is basically acting as an X ray. It's acting as a as a way of showing how the society, the fracture lines that this society already had, which is that black people are on the bottom rung of every socioeconomic indicator. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And this, and this, this, this virus is showing it plainly. It's, 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 it's given us, like I said, it's an x-ray. It's showing us, oh my God, we have these fractures. So we're going to have to empower ourselves, aren't we? That's right. That's right. We're going to have to empower ourselves. We're going to have to take the reins ourselves. We've got to take care of this. We have to take care. We have to take care that we are in good health as best we can. My own personal journey. I myself, you know, I had children later in life, so I went ahead and this. I, I, 
I've lost about 30 pounds myself this this past year just because I want to be a a a a model for what I'm telling people to do. Right, right. You know, getting myself in in in, in yeah. order and um, making sure that I'm eating, you know, things that are, you know, uh, you know, right, you know, antibiotic free and 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 organic and eating more vegetables and drinking right. more water and right. making sure that I'm staying away from as much soda as possible. I mean, I'm, those are just very basic things that we can do right now to make right. sure that if we do get this this virus, that it has the least amount of impact on us and we can recover from this. That's number one. And number two, let's make sure that we vote. We have to vote. And yes. I, and, and there is a connection between this because if we had not, if we had had a better president, right. this pandemic may have been, um, the, you know, he didn't create the, the, the virus, but I think right. it just, it, it would have not. It would have been acted on earlier. So it would have been, right. yeah, we would have been, it would have been, right. uh, he would have been more proactive, you know, that's like right. that's saying. Okay, yeah. you know, let's get let's get these things yeah. together. We need people need yeah, yeah resources for the hospital, ventilators, all these that's, things. That's all these things, testing. Let's make right. sure testing. Let's right. make sure we got enough protective gear. Let's make sure that we have enough contact tracers. Let's make sure that you know these states stay closed long enough so that we can get the virus down, and that we support people while they are unemployed. Right. You know, unemployment benefits end today, and unless it's renewed. People are going to be, you know, the virus is still around, so people don't feel comfortable going back to work, yeah. you know, and or their job may be gone. And, and that's now, why group economics is so important. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So this is our time. This is our time. Let's 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 vote, and that means vote for president. That means senator. That means for right. dog catcher. That right. means at every at every election, you are there. You right. know who is in power, and because these are the people that are making decisions on your behalf, because. Let me tell you, if you don't vote, somebody's voting for you. That, that's um, right. That's you know, right. It's, that's it's right. Like, like, like some people say, you know, if you're not at the table, then you are on the menu. You know, and that's what, you know, I always tell people like my book, Living on the Positive Side of If, I say for every choice, every decision, there is an if attached because we can talk about this. We can say, you know, I'm going to do this. But if we don't do it, everything is going to remain the same. But a choice will be made for you by default oh, anyway. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You, you know, know so, so, you know, <laughs> so you've given us a lot, um, um, Dr. K, to really think about, to pass the word on, you know, um, whether it's kids, grandkids, um, you know, for people to know that it's not going to be where People are just going to tell you what to do. It's going to be a lot of things. You got to make your own decision for your own personal life, yes. personal responsibility. Yes, you yes unfortunately, so, because yes. I, we, because our government has kind of left us on our own. Right, they, right. And we've been abandoned. And so. we can do this if we, and even if people be creative, say, you know what? There's a lot of parents that have to. Um, they they can't afford to be at home. So when we start having a homeschool hub. Where somebody that can, a group of people that can, whether they right. volunteer and say, you know what, let's pull people together, like saying, yeah, you know, they're called, yeah, they're called hub or pubs or pods. So do a, a pod, pods, a pod. Then see right. where yeah. people can say, well, you know what, we will, we're gonna make sure that they really are, you know, whether parents um, buy some little laptops or little, right. um, you know, you know, devices, or devices, Kindles, yeah. you know, and something like that to say, okay, listen, I'm gonna be there to watch your child. 
this right. group, you know, that's going to be in this pod so that these people, people can go to work because it right. is going to be a, a, a big concern. And children need continued learning. They, they really do. do. Absolutely. You know, we absolutely do. do. We you don't know. want these huge gaps in their learning. We already know that our children are being are, are under-educated. Right. Right. And, right. And, right. and now this is going to cause an even more di- di- an even larger dichotomy between those that are educated and those are not. That right. and, and 10 years, are we going to remember that there was a coronavirus that kept my child from not learning for a year? No, nobody will, nobody will care about that. They'll That's be like, right. no, we, you, you just, your child just isn't educated. I mean, I mean yes, yes, right, right. There, there, will, there will not be a COVID exception. For it would it. not be a COVID exception. <laughs> but you know what? As, a, as that, as that, as that um, phrase is now, that they're coning, um, um, they have coned as um, let's change the conversation now. Okay, so that means that we have got to change the conversation on what we do. Like you said, it's a new norm now. It is a new norm. Right, you know, right. so we're gonna have to start changing the conversation on how we think, how we do, how we eat, mm-hmm. uh, how we exercise. But we got to make it happen. How we save money, how we, you know, make, man, I also want to make sure that everybody knows that during these times, even though things are looking bad, if you have a 401k with your job, please make sure you still do, don't, don't, don't stop doing that because yeah. we have to still, still be building generational wealth. Don't, don't all of a sudden say, oh no, we can't, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta stop with that. I gotta stop contributing to my 401k. Absolutely not. No, Absolutely not that's, do that right. Because, that's right. Because this is the time where this is where wealth is being built. What we'll find out is that 10 years from now is that during this time, a whole lot of people who don't look like us were making a whole lot of money. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's what I want to talk about when I get ready to do my um, podcast as far as um, the, um, you know, finances, you know, financial health and everything. Um, I'm going to have somebody talk about also um, people don't have to students. They don't have to have student loan debt. And everything like that. We we have start we have to start realizing there is resources out there and everything. Right. Dr. K, listen, <laughs> I want to thank you so much again, and just get a chance to laugh with your husband, your children, and um, just continue to take care of yourself, your mind. But I know God is empowering you to do what you're doing, and He wired you a certain way, and that's why you had to have. That's why you was born in the. Um, not um Wakanda, but the in Congo. the Congo. The Congo. <laughs> so listen, thank you again, and get you some rest. You work tomorrow, right? Yes, I do. Okay. And I worked last night, so I'm so okay. Okay. Well, just enjoy, just enjoy, and laugh, and just know what you've done this this evening, this moment here with me on my podcast. Um, it's going to help a lot of people. Okay. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you, Cheryl. For All right. You. And, <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> I appreciate everything, and kind, and I would be very blessed and lucky if you, you know, if you wanted to talk to me again, I would certainly be willing to. Do oh that. yes, yes, because I want to know later on. I'm probably going to ask you once we stop this, um, once we continue, everybody does get on board and and wear these masks like they're doing in New Zealand, mm-hmm. you know. And South um, Korea and Taiwan and, and Europe. Ta- yeah, okay. So I guess since it's a novel disease, 
Is this going to be the norm that it's going to always be the mask? And that's something I guess we have to find out over time. Well, that, that'll be over time. It depends on how well the masks work and also once the vaccine comes and, it, and yeah. if everybody gets the vaccine. Yeah, that's, that's another conversation, too, another you know, especially among people of color. Right, right. You know, so, you know, so, if there's a vaccine, people are going to take it. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. listen, you will be hearing from me again, okay? Okay. <laughs> thank you, dear. Okay, you. God bless you. You too. Thank you for thank you for everything. You're Have a good okay. Bye bye. Okay, everybody, you have heard Dr. K. She broke it down for us. She told us really what is happening on the front lines because after all she's there daily what i would like to say is this um if we be diligent if we be disciplined if we be consistent we can make a difference in our health and we can become more proactive in regard to the coronavirus one thing she did want me to make sure i um add um to her um broadcast was this that she's advising us to be sure to keep our bodies healthy by taking vitamin C 1000 milligrams every day along with 500 IUs every day and drinking two liters of water daily and remember what she said about exercising and trying to make sure that we know our numbers. So let's try to keep those things in mind. And again, I just want to thank Dr. K for joining me on this podcast and sharing this valuable, valuable information. And to all of you who are dealing with any family members, friends, coworkers, anybody that's in the hospital for any reason, um, my prayers go out for them because we're all in this together. It doesn't have to be about COVID, but we all know that we never know what we're going to be dealing with. So learn to enjoy your family. Be sure that you keep the bottom line on rules in place as far as your mask and social distancing. Really, I like to say that physical distancing, but, um, you know, stay in contact with your family in the best way that you can. And for you that have to deal with your children going to school, try to get as much information as you can so that um, you know what to do for your family because you have to make your decisions as to what's best for you. Again, my prayers go out to all of you and please pass this um, valuable information on to others because you know what? These can be steps to save our lives or the lives of somebody else. My prayers is blessings for all of you and your families. And thanks for listening.